So here we are, the Labor Day weekend, the unofficial close of summer, as it's called. So for a very long time here in Fairfax County, the day after tomorrow, the day after Labor Day, signaled the return to school year, right? Not so this year. That happened this past week on Monday, August 28th. So students, parents, teachers, what's the verdict? Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> I'm getting mixed reviews. I ask this from people at every service and uh, kind of ironic because as we know, in Fairfax County School, always started here the day after Labor Day, but across the Potomac River in Maryland, school there has always started the third or the fourth week in August. Not so this year, because by mandate of the governor over in Maryland, school now must start the day after Labor Day. Ironic, right? Because one side of the Potomac has completely flipped from one to the other. So that's how it is. It is that time of year. So this Labor Day weekend, in addition to the startup of the school year and the beginning of the fall season, we experienced some very, very minor effects of Tropical Storm Harvey yesterday. It was a rainy day. That was really all it was. So minor in comparison with what the people in the Gulf Coast have endured that uh, it does not even bear comment. The overwhelming rainfall, more than four feet of rain coming out of the sky, and the historic flooding that Texas, Louisiana, and particularly the Houston area have experienced, it boggles the mind. Many of us have family or friends in that part of the country. Maybe we ourselves actually have lived there. Who has a connection to the Houston area, people there? Yeah, look at all the hands going up there. Our, our joining Jesus on his mission friend, Pastor Greg Finke, he and his wife Susan, they make their home in the Houston area. And so we continue to pray for God's mercy, his power to help in time of need upon all the people who have been displaced, who have lost homes and businesses and, and even loved ones. To that end, we want to provide opportunity for members and friends of our congregation to contribute to relief efforts that are already underway. That's what the blue insert in your weekly word is all about. And as soon as I mentioned that, I thought, bad timing, should have never said it because now everybody's going to be reading this instead of listening to me. But at any rate, know that that's there, ways in which you can give to the Synod, to the Texas District or just write a check here to St. John's and we'll forward it on to uh, the appropriate place where it can do the most good for the most people. So as we consider what we can do to help, we think and pray for all of those people who desperately want to return home, but may not have homes to which they can return. All of this points us to that great and final homecoming when Christ, our Savior, shall come again and take us to our heavenly home where we will be with him 
forever. Our summer preaching series on the Augsburg Confession, one of the chief confessional documents of our Lutheran Church, appropriately ends today with the focus on the return of Christ. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So once again in the gospel lesson for today, we encounter our good friend Peter. We heard about him last week as well. He's back there again today. You gotta love Peter. Sometimes he is spot on and he gets it and he's right on target and other times, boo, he's way out in left field today. We heard him last Sunday in the gospel lesson. Jesus asked the disciples, well, who do people say that I am? And they replied, eh, some say you're uh, John the Baptist or one of the prophets. But then he zooms in, but who do you say that I am? A question that each one of us must answer in our own lives. And Peter got it right. He was spot on. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Yes. But then, Almost immediately, Jesus began to teach his disciples what the purpose was of his being the Christ, the Son of the living God, and it's really a message Peter did not want to hear. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Absolutely unthinkable for Peter. Jesus had clearly demonstrated on any one of a number of occasions who he was as the Christ, the Son of the living God, by healing the sick, casting out demons, commanding the forces of nature, feeding multitudes with just a little bit of food, preaching and teaching of the kingdom of God as nobody had ever done before. So being subjected to this gross indignity and injustice of being rejected, being killed, that's too much for Peter. He would have none of it. So what does he do? He pulls Jesus aside and he reprimands him. God forbid, Lord, far be it from you that this should never ever happen to you. Hmm. You know, Peter is an every man. For every man, every woman, every child, for all of us who have ever wanted to set the agenda for Jesus, right? Haven't we all at some point in our lives told Jesus, how he should be doing his job, what Jesus ought to be doing in the kingdom of heaven, we get kind of full of ourselves and we sort of have to be brought back down to reality. This is what scripture calls repentance. And about face, a change of heart and mind that leads to walking in a new direction, a new direction that's not centered on me, myself, and I, 
but on what the Lord would accomplish in me and through me. So it's bigger, much bigger than me. This becomes one of those teachable moments for Peter, the rest of the disciples, us as well. Jesus now sharply rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Ouch. That had to have hurt. Jesus had just said he was going to build his church on the rock of Peter's confession of faith. And now, now, Jesus is calling him Satan. Yikes. And furthermore, Jesus says, Peter, you're the kind of rock that's really a stumbling block. Something people trip over and they fall. Pretty bad. But here's the thing. If one of Jesus' closest disciples can mess up like this, then there is hope for people like you and me who also are prone to messing up in big ways and small ways. My friends, this is exactly why Jesus came into the world as the Christ, the Son of the living God, to pay the price of our messing up, what Scripture calls sin, where we miss the mark of how God would have us live. Jesus, as the Christ, the Son of the living God, came into the world to restore us to a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. This is what Jesus has done for you. <laughs> Jesus' first coming was his birth in Bethlehem. His life of teaching and preaching, his ministry of healing the sick and raising the dead that would take him to the cross where he would die the death that we rightly deserved and where he would then rise on the third day again, paying our debt of sin, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood, his innocent suffering and death upon the cross. So when this gift of forgiveness and life and salvation in Jesus is received by us through his life-giving word, through the cleansing waters of holy baptism, we celebrated one last evening at the Saturday evening service when Christ comes to us at the table which he has prepared, where he is host and we are guest. When we receive these gifts from Jesus, we hear his words in a new way, a different way. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. 
but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When we hear these challenging words of Jesus with ears of faith, with a heart of faith, we're moved to say in faith, Jesus has given everything for me, including his very life. So whatever I may be called upon to sacrifice in following him, that will be a small price to pay. My friends, this is why we do what we do week in and week out. This is why we come together as the body of Christ, gathering around word and sacraments, because there's strength here. There's blessing here. There is encouragement for each one of us in following Jesus, in walking that journey of faith. And when we become weak and discouraged, and who doesn't? We all do. When we feel like everything's in vain, it's then that we have the opportunity to bolster one another up, to bear one another's burdens, and to encourage one another in following Jesus that we are not alone. The Lord himself promises, I am with you always to the very end of the age, and that nothing in all of creation can separate us from his love. This path of discipleship may well take us through difficult and challenging times, taking up our cross and following Jesus isn't necessarily going to be easy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Lutheran pastor who was martyred in the closing days of World War II, said this, when Christ bids a man come and follow him, he bids him come and die. Die to self so that we may live to Christ. When Christ does come again, his second coming, he tells us the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. These words of Jesus are sobering, and they are serious. In the midst of the busyness of life, and we're hitting the beginning of that very busy season when everything, poof, begins after Labor Day, right? Let us not disregard or forget these words of Jesus, his promise to come again on that great and final day. At the end of the day, at the end of our life, at the end of the world, the one thing that matters is this. Jesus loves me. This I know.
for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That may be the first song we ever learn in our journey of faith. And if it's appropriate for us as little children, it's appropriate for us now as well. We never outgrow it. If you don't take anything else away from today's sermon, take that, please. It's the truth that makes an eternal difference. It's the truth that gives us boldness and confidence of faith to stand on that great and final day, trusting that we are clothed in the robe, the blood-bought robe of Christ's own righteousness. When Christ shall come again to judge the world in righteousness, we then will lift up our heads knowing that he is coming for us to take us home to be with him forever. And so we pray, amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>